Welcome to the Rated Rabbi Sports Card Podcast, where sports cards and pop culture meet the 1984 All-Star Game. I am your host, Rabbi David Spinrad. This is episode 15. If this is it, or should I say, if this is it, too. <laughs> this is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. Originally, this was just an 80-card master set, PSA graded of all the players and everybody who surrounded that day in 1984 at Candlestick Park, the all-star game. But it's it's since evolved into something much greater and, and honestly more meaningful to me. It's a look back at not only the game, but look back at the time, the time in my life and the time uh, in our country and in our culture. And today, actually, we're going to get a little bit away from the players and talk about some of the other folks. But before we do, we have something in the mailbag from longtime listener, West Coast Jewish Chris, who writes in lovingly correcting me for a mistake I made. I erroneously mentioned in a recent broadcast that Keith Hernandez was a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. What I meant to say is Keith Hernandez ought to be a member of the Mustache Hall of Fame located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose inaugural class includes Teddy Roosevelt, Freddie Mercury, Frank Zappa, Albert Einstein, Mark Twain, Hulk Hogan, Walter Cronkite, and the great Tom Selleck. So let's hear it. Let's get Hernandez in the Mustache Hall of Fame. Come on. We can make this happen. So the game's just about to start. The PA announcer comes on. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise and remove your hats for the playing of the Canadian National Anthem by recording artist. Chuck Mangione. Remember Chuck Mangione? I'm going to bring up a picture. If you know who Chuck Mangione is, you will recognize this instantly. This is probably what you think about when you think about Chuck Mangione. 1978. This is his famous Feels So Good album cover. He's right there. He's got that red and white jacket, that kind of leprechaun sort of hat on. Huggin, that's not a trumpet, that's a flugelhorn. You finger it the same way. It just sounds a little different. That's a, such a famous, at least in my childhood imagination, my memory, that feels so good. Chuck Mangione. Feels so good is a is a is a great, a great memory for me. Remember how it goes? You get the idea. If you know that song, you were you were with me note for note. Here's the thing about Feels So Good. At about a minute 40, the song totally changes. Instead of being this kind of low-key, flugelhorn-led, beautiful, beautiful song, a jazz guitar kicks in. And uh, and then it takes off. 
right? There's like wah-wah guitar and it goes on and on and on. The song itself ends up being almost 10 minutes long, which is way too long. But you know that opening, that opening is good, but but I got to warn you, if you want to go back and listen to it, it's way too long and it's not as nearly as wonderful as you might remember. You know how I know this? In 2018, my mom, Allah Shalom, may her memory be for a blessing. My mom lay dying uh, in her bedroom in Las Vegas and we were there. Her husband, my dad, Stanel, 50 years of a loving marriage made the golden. My auntie, Auntie Marty was there. My brother, the shark was there and I was there all around her bed in her final days and her final hours and her final minutes. And, and, and I remember it was morning time and we played three of her favorite songs, beautiful songs, George Benson, Breezin, mm, still good. East River Drive by Grover Washington Jr. Mm, can't beat a sax. And then we played Feel So Good, which again, like I said, starts out great. Doesn't, doesn't finish so good. It's way too long. So you can't have a more sacred moment than to be present as somebody makes their transition out of this life and into the great beyond. And you can't have a more holy of holy moment than to be there when a, when a family member passes, when for me, my mom passed. But the thing is, in that moment of absolute transcendence and solemnity, this song started going on a little bit long and it got awkward for me. And I don't know if I was the only one in the room and I'm, you know, I never really asked anybody about it, but around like minute five, minute six, we're like around her bedside, just like loving her and letting go of her. And the song goes on and on. I, I kind of wanted to say something, but then I also got it in my head that, well, well, what if, what if this, this song is the only thing keeping her tethered to this life? And if I just hit stop, she dies. Like some kind of like strange twilight zone episode. Anyway, I, uh, I wanted to share that with you without getting, without getting too heavy on you today. Let's lighten it up a little bit. Get back to Chuck Mangione. Did you know that Chuck was also, at least he fancied himself, a bit of an actor? Made 10 appearances in the late 80s and early 90s. This is voice made, playing himself on the animated Fox show King of the Hill. But truly the apex of Chuck Mangione's career as an actor occurs in February of 1984. I'm telling you, man, everything leads to the 1984 All-Star Game. All of Western civilization intersects with this game, including Magnum P.I. That's right. Chuck Mangione guest stars on an episode of Magnum P.I. Episode is called I wrote it down. I'm looking for my notes. It matters to me. Paradise Blues. That's it. Episode 15, season four, Paradise Blues. Chuck Mangione guest stars as part of a, of a lounge, a club act. 
the story, the setup is uh, there's a special guest star, the great Leslie Uggams. She's the she's the jazz singer. Mangione is playing behind her. So Leslie Uggam, Leslie Uggams used to uh, play in Vietnam. She had a good thing going in the Nam, and and she was friends. If you remember all of them, you remember TC. Remember Rick and, of course, Magnum? They were all Vietnam buddies, right? They were in Vietnam together. That's where their friendship is formed, forged. So they're all they're all friends of, of Leslie Uggams and, and TC, and she had a little, a little romance, if you recall. So in this episode, Uggams is on the run because she's being chased by, by drug by drug dealers, by drug smugglers, and she comes to Hawaii trying to escape and, and seeking help. Mangione does have a line late in the episode, but I don't want to talk about Magnum PI. Oh my God. Let's talk Magnum. Magnum runs 1980 to 1988. Early on, it is a huge hit. It perhaps overstays its welcome, but early on, it is a top 10 show. Actually, it's a top five show. It finishes third in 1983. So it's riding high in 1984. When Chuck Mangione takes the mic and uh, with his flugelhorn, he's coming off playing Magnum. Who do we have in Magnum? What do you remember? Remember TC and Rick, of course, played by the great, what was his name? Roger Mosley played TC and Larry Manetti played Rick. John Hillerman paid Higgins. Remember him? Was he or was he not? Robin Masters, leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. What were the dog's names? Come on. Come on. Zeus and Apollo. You knew that, didn't you? Zeus and Apollo with, with Higgins. Wow, man. Yeah. This is all rattling around in my noggin today. All right. So let's talk about the star of Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck. Played volleyball at UCLA, you might recall. Rosie, my mom, huge fan of Tom Selleck. Loved it. Remember that mustache? Oh, she used to have a picture on her makeup table in a frame of Magnum P.I., uh, of Tom Selleck as Magnum. Kind of like a little four-by-six postcard. And that didn't seem weird at the time. and doesn't seem so weird now. I mean, God damn, he was gorgeous. My dad grew a mustache, so he'd, he'd look more like her. Like I had a moment in life and a moment in the Spinrad family. I'm going to show you a card. I'm going to show you a card because I want to talk about title sequences. Remember when TV shows had title sequences and theme songs, and they were like a minute long? You remember that Magnum theme song? Remember how it ends? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, for those of you on the pod, you can't see it. But if you close your eyes in your imagination, you can remember the end of the opening sequence of Magnum P.I. Got that red Hawaiian shirt looking back over his shoulder. That, oh, that cheeky little grin of him. He does a little eyebrow wink. Well, I am showing the people card 54 of the 1982 Donruss 66-card set of Magnum P.I. It is a still frame of that closing image of the opening sequence. God damn, you are a sexy beast, Magnum P.I. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I just love everything about this. Magnum. 
don't even come with that Magnum reboot, you know, reboot Magnum. Just like I never even bothered to see the movie of the book on the road. Come on, you come on, do some things you don't mess with. There's just some things you don't touch. You don't remake Magnum PI. You don't mess with perfection. <laughs> anyway, back to the game. Chuck finishes feels I don't feel so good. That would have been better. Because let's be honest. I'm going to give you sort of an Amerocentric point of view on this. Do you ever like have just like a, you never would tell anybody, but I'll say it for you. You're like, ah, I got to sit through the Canadian national anthem too. I always wonder the Andre Dawson 81 times a year, but like, oh my God, I got to sit through two anthems every 162 times a year. If you played for the Expos and still for the Jays, you got to sit through two national anthems. I wonder if they ever get nudged by that. They can't exactly just sit there, sit around, check their phones. They got to like be at attention. <laughs> Gang up on Canada Day at the Spin Rack <laughs> All right, Chuck finishes the uh, O Canada. And then we hear the PA announcer say, And now, to honor America, Huey Lewis and the News singing the Star Spangled banner and the place is going nuts you thought mccovey got big cheers Hugh lewis and the news bay area own from marin i mean they're like hometown heroes and sports sports is having a moment it is not their first but it is their biggest and it of course is their breakthrough album oh my god and there they are Six of them arrayed on the infield grass around three microphones. From left to right is Bill Gibson, Huey Lewis, the man himself, Johnny Cola, Chris Hayes, Sean Hooper, and Mario Cipollina. And like I said, that summer, they're having a moment. Let's set the stage musically, shall we? The year 1984 opens, and it's still a thriller. Michael Jackson still carries... 1984 from January to April. Then for the next 10 weeks, it's a Footloose soundtrack. So we got some big bangers. You got Thriller, you got the Footloose soundtrack. Then June 30th, Billboard Top 200 albums. Who and what is number one? Huey Lewis and the News with Sports are at the top, the apex mountain. Oh my God. That only lasts a week. After that, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, he takes August and starting, I'm sorry, he takes July and then starting in August and really just destroying the rest of the year is Prince, Purple Rain. Purple Rain reigns in 1984, August through the end of the year. Purple Rain is on top, but let's just, let's just put Huey Lewis in the news in context. Prince, Springsteen, Michael Jackson, and a killer Footloose soundtrack. And Huey, they get to the top. For the year, it's a number two album, which means ahead of everything else, just after Purple Rain, our boys, Huey Lewis. Man, sports has four number one singles. I'm going to list them for you right now. Heart and Soul, New Drug. Heart and Soul, I want a new drug. Heart of Rock and Roll, and my favorite, If This Is It. Does anybody remember that video? You remember where it was filmed? If you said Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, you would be correct. So Huey, they kind of like, they don't get the love they deserve, but they were a tight band. 
at their best like a bar band. And when they do the anthem, they kill it on that day. Their harmonies are amazing. When Huey picks up with their, they're like humming behind him. And he's, and the rock is wrangling. <laughs> so good. So, so good. So, so they are, they are having a moment, as I've said, on like six times. But there they are, number one album, national anthem, all-star game at the stick. There I am with my family. I feel like I'm in the moment that they're having. They turn out to be sort of a good luck charm, not only for the Giants, but really mostly for the 49ers. A deep friendship, a real friendship forms between between Huey Lewis and Joe Montana and Dwight Clark. <laughs> so like ballers, 1980 Bay Area, capital B ballers. Oh my God, they meet backstage at the Bay Area Music Awards. They form a friendship because like, you know, gamers, ballers, alphas recognize one another. So they become sort of a, a talisman, good luck charms for the Niners and to a lesser extent, although over the years as well with the Giants, they perform. When they do anthems, the, the Giants and the Niners win. So amazing. So amazing. So my peak Huey Lewis moment. This is not the peak of my Huey Lewis moment. The 84 All-Star Game is not the peak Huey Lewis moment in my life. The peak Huey Lewis moment in my life. Saturday, December 27th, 1986. They're touring in support of their sports follow-up for F-O-R-E released earlier that year. Oh, I forgot the exclamation point. F-O-R-E exclamation point. Album cover there, I remember, was filmed in a, out in front of Tam High School in Marin. Uh, sports was filmed uh, or not filmed photographed uh, at the 2 a.m. club in the valley I remember so so four eh, four might be a little bit of a rushed backup maybe they could have taken a little bit more time but they had to strike all the pop music lightning <laughs> whatever I'm mixing metaphors it doesn't matter they have five singles off the top 10 amazing couple I remember Jacob's ladder doing it all for my baby so they're playing. December 27, 1986. This is my first concert. I'm 16 years old. Stan, Rosie, they take us, me, and the shark. We go to the see a concert, Oakland Coliseum Arena. Check this out. First concert, playing all the hits, everything you could ever want them to play. About three quarters of the way through the concert. Oh my God. Who comes out on stage? Ricky Ellison, linebacker for the 49ers. The Immortals follow. Ronnie Lotz. Dwight Clark. And there, before my eyes, the great Joe Montana. Let's get the full screen. There it is. If you're listening on the pod, is a picture from that Saturday night. Huey, white v-neck t-shirt, Joe and Dwight singing harmonies on hip to be square. Yes, indeed. They were in the studio. If you listen to four, if you listen to hip to be square, they actually sing backup vocals. That's how big they were in 86, man. <laughs> Come sing on an album with us. So he's singing hip to be square. He's got Joe, he's got Dwight, Ronnie, and Ellison in the background. Look at Joe in this picture. 
got the cut the collar of his acid wash Levi's jacket popped up. <laughs> Dwight's a little more country with his. He's got the collar down, singing back up right before my very eyes. Wow. Huey Lewis and the news and Joe Montana. Psh, does it get better than that? As a matter of fact, it does. Just when you thought it couldn't, it gets better than that. The concert ends. What does it end with, you ask? Well, don't forget, they also had the big, big hits off of Back to the Future. So when they close it out, they close it out with uh, Power of Love comes earlier in the concert and, and he closes with Back in Time. Gotta get back in time not my favorite song but it's strong man it's still strong so so we leave the concert and my buddy doug doug's an og friend i think we were friends since kindergarten or first grade his older sister my big sister his big sister who i always just kind of had this like crush on it i think all of us had a crush on debbie schultz she was just super babe swimmer she's home from uh her freshman year at university of arizona and so this gives you a sense of the time we used to live in debbie's home from college and doug's parents mr and mrs schultz thank you very much they let debbie have a house party so all of her friends are there and we're two years younger but like we're like just yeah i'm a junior in high school and so the parents are at the house and it's not like a party. Let's just drink, you know, listen to records and dance, drink diet Coke. They were, they were just pounding beers. It was a house party. They had a keg and, and, and they're like, let's get the young kid drunk. And I remember these college kids just feeding me beer after beer of, of elephant malt liquor. I'd never been drunk before. So let's run this down. Not only on December 27th, 1986, did I go to my first concert? Not only did I see Huey Lewis and Joe Montana, that same night <laughs> I got drunk for the very first time. And, and unfortunately, that same night <laughs> I also threw up from drinking too much for the very first time. Your boy is not a world champion alcohol consumer <laughs> let's get that let's get that taste out of our mouth let's look at a few more cards before we wrap this thing up all right so 1984 7-eleven the slurpee the 7-eleven slurpee disc with that cool lenticular design you know you move your head or you easier to move the disc and you get two images if you ever look at sport flicks baseball cards exact same thing so 1984 i'm going to show you a couple of these bad boys what you see is a 84 slurpee disc of on the left pedro guerrero and on the right atley hammaker it's definitely his apex mountain 1984 atley hammaker on a slurpee disc 1985 in 1985, Slurpee says there can't be too much of a good thing. Seven says to 11, if sports are good, then music will be better. And they release a set of lenticular, lenticular design Slurpee discs with pop stars. Groups like Night Ranger, Journey, Rat. Brian Adams, and this one I'm showing you here, a Slurpee disc of Huey Lewis and the news. I'm going to move it so you can see it. Let's get so you can get a little look. 
There's the band. There's Huey. There's the band. There's Huey. And he has, of course, the glasses pulled down. What That is just like perfect sports. The skinny ties on the band. Oh, my God. Sublime. I think hobby content should actually talk about cards. I think hobby content that only talks about the hobby is super boring and repetitive and reductive. Let's talk about cards. Let's talk about memories. Let's do it again very soon. Let's try for Friday. I promise you somewhere out there, we're 15 episodes in. We haven't even started the game, but I promise you someday soon we will get to the actual game itself. Until we meet again, may you, of course, enjoy health and long life. So long for now.